everybody. This is the Designated Drummer Podcast with Keith Rainwater and my good friend here, Hobie Hubbard from Sawyer Brown. How's it going? Good, man. It's good to be uh, here. Jumping it's right cool. in there. Man. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so we are out on tour uh, in Canada, and we've been out here for almost two weeks now, right? Better part of two weeks, yeah. I'd say, doing shows together in these hockey arenas and where it is equally cold inside the arena as it is as outside, it is outside the arena. Because they, they don't want the ice to melt. <laughs> they don't want right? the ice they to melt. To so melt they're not the going to they're not going to warm it up for some Americans to feel better about themselves. That's right, for yeah. sure. So we are sitting in, if you reason why you're, it's sounding so echoey, is we're sitting in this kind of hockey conference room kind of thing. That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. I know. I think this must be like the team meeting room or I think something. it is. So, like, yes, yeah, it's like a press conference room, Like maybe. when you go to college and they have a professor does like it's a ex- lecture or something. Exactly, you know? This is a lecture hall. A lecture hall yeah. for hockey, a hockey lecture hall. Anyway, yeah. so that's why it's so echo- echoey in here. And uh, Yeah. Anyway. Well, so um, you are the keyboard player and have been the keyboard player since the inception of Sawyer Brown. Yeah. Yeah, 40 plus 40 years, ago. years, which is just an incredible blessing. Uh, yeah. When we first started, I think one of our main hopes and dreams was that we could do this for a long time. We looked at like the Dirt Band and Charlie Daniels Band and thought, man, if you could have a career that lasted that long, how incredible would that be? Yeah. And in the beginning, even if you think, oh, 10 years would be awesome or 20 years, right. but to think 40 probably would have even been beyond anything we could have put a yeah. number, number I mean, even to even the Beatles, the, the Beatles were only together. No, that was a very short in, window. Yeah. Not even 10 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, 40 feels pretty, pretty amazing at yeah. this point. So. And you guys and it's are still, still fun. full of energy and you just did up there and do your thing. I've always liked watching you because, because you, you are just... I mean, I know Mark does his dancing around and stuff like that, and that's always fun to watch. But you're just always like up, you know. You're always having a good time, and you're always and like I smiling. Don't even, and yeah, I I love playing. That's mm-hmm. the great thing. And as for whatever it is I do out there, I don't even think about it. You know, I grew up Presbyterian, so if I'm moving around, I didn't learn that in the church. All right, yeah. But uh, <laughs> and I played piano in the church growing up. But uh, it's just the energy of the music, and more important, even it's the energy of the crowd. Yeah. Man, you know how that is. That's like they're the yeah. they're the key ingredient of a live show. You sort of feed off of that. It's all know? about them. It and, belongs and I to know them. we learned lessons a long time ago that even when you didn't have a big crowd, and I think we learned it from Minnie Pearl, that you just never know who's going to be sitting in that audience. So even if you have a cruddy crowd and it's not very big, you still have to put on you, a great show. You do because there's somebody out there who that is the one and only time they're ever going to see us. Yeah. So it's like you can't have an off night. Right. And sometimes those little crowds are as much fun as a giant crowd because you sure. can really see them and you can sort of interact with them yeah more intimate more. you know oh, yeah. kind of joke around yeah we enjoy that part we, of we it like too. to call it a paid rehearsal because you know right. we really just kind yeah. of goof around and exactly around. you can just go out there and try new stuff out yeah, there. yeah right stump the band play stump right. the band right That's always exactly fun. yeah so um so the the beginnings of sawyer brown it um i want to talk about that first and then sure. i want to go into your person i want to go back in time to your personal like leading up okay. to that but um so sawyer brown in I want to say it was now. I read somewhere that the the uh, the the show that you guys were on, the yeah, Star, Star Search, Search. Mm-hmm. was in '83. '83 is 83? when we started. Okay, that. yeah. We had an agent back then, and I probably told Joe this in, in the podcast, but we had an agent back then that I was just in this little local Dallas bar band, and Dallas, the guys you went up against, were yeah. friends of ours. We knew them. Like we'd go out and see them play on Sundays and Monday nights, and the agent we were with, we were, were in the show band, played all the little show clubs in Dallas, made us sit down and watch the that show and he he videotaped it and he said i want you to watch this and and i know that you're friends with these guys dallas but check out this other band and you tell me why they won i mean tell me if you can you know so the other band was up there kind of playing and they weren't really 
having a good time. It just looked like they were real serious, like serious right. musicians. You guys got up there and you were jumping around and smiling and putting yeah. on a big show. And it's like, that's why they won. Well, it was an interesting thing because we really didn't ever expect to get picked to be on that show. So when we auditioned, we put no pressure on ourselves because we thought there's no way they're going to pick a band from Nashville. So we auditioned and we, we had heard they would give us the videotape and we wanted the videotape so we could pitch to get work. And that's as far as we so were thinking. So that's all your goal that's was at the all time. All our goal was was the video. <laughs> to get a good demo so, tape. So we clowned around with the cameraman and the producer and they're giving the speech about, oh, it's going to be months before you hear anything. And we're, we're pretty much already booked. You may not hear anything at all. And we're like, yeah, when is it we get this videotape? And this was on a Friday. <laughs> And the following Monday, they called and said, we want you out here in a week. Yeah. And I said to Mark when he called, man, I don't have enough money to fly to L.A. to do this. He goes, no, you don't understand. They pay for the flight. They give us $35 a day to eat, which wow, I thought, oh, my deal. gosh, wow. I don't spend $35 a day on food <laughs> in 1983. So wow. uh, we went out there with still no idea of what a television show like that could mean and or whether we'd be anything anybody else was looking right. for oh, especially the timing of it yeah like the, they have to film it and exactly they have to edit it and we never went up against a straight country band necessarily so it was all sorts of different genres and somehow just kept winning so we uh we anticipated okay we we know how to play to an audience that's there so we would think about the 120 people that were there in the studio audience instead of thinking about a television audience because right, it yeah. was like we couldn't really visualize that so we just went out and had fun every so every night. When you, at that time what kind of gigs were you doing we like, were doing you know uh clubs five yeah. set a night clubs for five a week sets at a, a time yeah, like oh, we all yeah. had to do oh, yeah. in dallas and all and around if we could book a you know a sixth night somewhere we did but you're based so, out of nashville based right? out of nashville and those first couple of years we did 315 days the first year and 305 days the second. And those wow, were five yeah, set a really, night. Yeah, I'd heard five about that. set a night. Uh, I mean, there's days. only 365 days in a year. I know, you believe you can't me. Add believe me. I look back and go, don't know how we did that. <laughs> that. I think it's having nothing to compare it to. So. Oh, my God. And that was also sleeping on a renovated school bus all the time. Oh, so really? it was, that's what yeah, you had it was, the... that's what we had. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow. it, it, was, so it was a good experience, though. And, and also part of the, 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 the star search thing was you got a record deal right no we didn't actually oh. get a record deal we they gave uh, it was a hundred thousand dollar prize ah. which we split and most of it went into buying another bus that was not a renovated school there you bus go, yeah. and uh and then we just kept working on getting the record deal and we had done oh, showcases for really every label in nashville right. pretty much right prior to star search and we were hearing things like, you're too young, you move around too much, where's the cowboy hat? So uh, when we went out and did Star Search, the they actually said, where's the cowboy where's hat? Where's the cowboy like, hat? Really? Where are the boots? <laughs> and we're like, well, you know, George Strait has George Strait covered. That's kind of not what we do. And uh, when we got to L.A., the L.A. branches of the label started going, well, why haven't we heard about you guys? And we were, well, you know, you need to go ask your Nashville counterparts. They've seen us. So uh, we wow. just, yeah, after the show was over, we, we signed with, uh, with Capital, which was, a, a, you know, great. That's really what we wanted all along was to yeah. be, a, you know. So it wasn't part of, the, hmm? part of the prize it or anything. Not. It was just it wasn't. like what happened naturally. Yeah, it's they what happened next, won. yeah. So they thought, well, I guess they must like them. Somebody yeah, must <laughs> something must be sellable here. They've been on TV for half of the year. Now, so, didn't yeah. Mark wear a hat uh, on he that did. He did. He wore the Panama hat. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a cowboy yeah. hat. It was no, a little they were, different. But Nashville was looking for a cowboy hat yeah, <laughs> and right. cowboy boots, right. not the colored Converse tennis shoes that we were wearing. So, yeah. yeah. 
But maybe it's just the fact that you guys were just a little bit different than what everybody was expecting. We that ma- definitely were for 1983, right. you know, because things were, were very different then. Even being a self-contained band was not something that, you know, slipped through a lot in Nashville. You had, you know, uh, groups that were four singers and then a backup band. But right. a self-contained band like yeah. Alabama had broken huge ground with that Charlie Daniels band or the Dirt band. But there weren't tons like you can get now. It's like yeah. the door is much more wide open, I think, now than, right. it, yeah. than it was in 83 for sure. Right. And I think Restless Heart, they probably didn't even start until 80. They were like 85-ish, yeah, I think. Like mid-80s yeah. or something is when I first heard their stuff. Yeah, love that band. And they, and they sort of, you guys and them, they sort of, you guys started paving the way for bands to like you know hey they're a band which i'm you know? so glad that they're you know because there's as much diversity and interesting stuff going on with bands as there are an in individual artists right, yeah. so i think it took uh, country or country radio maybe at least a little bit to time a little bit of yeah. time to catch up on that yeah and then of course in the early 90s you had the hat acts like garth brooks kind of started a whole yeah. new thing so, so through the years you guys have just <laughs> pardon the pun through the years um yeah. Isn't that we, one of your songs? <laughs> yeah, we have kept. You have just. We've just kept going. And stayed and stayed. And by the grace of God, always been out there working. With the exception of pandemic year, where everybody kind of had a hiatus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had up till that point never gone more than three weeks without playing. Holy so it was a, a, quite the uh, interesting uh, adjustment of your, you yeah. know, what and your so daily routine is. With all these years and playing and all that and not having any time, wouldn't it? You'd think that you would sort of get sick of it. You would sort of get like, oh, God, we're doing these songs again. It's And thank goodness it has never been that way. Really? I think yeah. as a kid, when I thought about wanting a career in music, I thought, man, I wouldn't want to do it if it meant you stopped enjoying music because music just mm-hmm. means way too much to me. And fortunately, 40 years in, it's, that's just not the case. It yeah. does stay fun because we get along great it really is mm-hmm. traveling with brothers sure and that audience is different every night so that even if the songs are the same there are folks out there you know different cities bring different energies different crowds are right. different so it's like it's kind of its own it changes the mix a little bit every night well wow. do you guys do like the big meet and greet before the show and all that because that would kind of wear me out if we, we to used do to do night. that we you know pandemic sort of had, has put that on hiatus for a while but right. we did that for gosh for yeah. for a million years 30 40 people oh a yeah i mean yeah. i'm always worn out like before the show after the meet and greet i'm done i've been right. on my feet all that that's time. right yeah i've been talking and signing autographs and yeah. taking pictures i'm worn out man. yeah it's, it's tough yeah and then back in the day we used to go sign autographs after yeah but after the show we do the meet and greet before the show the show and then sign autographs until yeah for until everybody yeah hour and a half or so we always felt like if we go out there you want to do it until everybody gets you don't want to cut anybody off yeah Yeah. it's tough yeah yeah the only time that we the longest we ever did was over in iraq we did a show with some shows over there and when we finished with the show we did a sort of meet and greet type autograph signing thing yeah. after the thing for every single soldier yeah. there we were there for yeah. over four hours yeah. i'll say on our feet taking pictures yeah. signing and we didn't mind it a bit oh we were yeah just no glad a moment like part. that's more than worth it for sure it, it was yeah. we, i never thought once oh my feet are tired or oh, yeah because of those people no, over there those they're, those you know, are folks who've they're in got, harm's way exactly for sure, you know? exactly and, uh, yeah so but they've got so the hard job for they sure. really do yeah and uh I was, I was talking to one soldier over there. I know this is getting off subject, but I was talking to one soldier. I said, how come you guys, like, for taking pictures and all this stuff, you know, you have your gun on you the whole time, like, yeah. the, like carrying these machine guns right. around. And he said, let me explain it this way. If anything were to ever happen, like, uh, because you're in a war zone, if anything were to ever to happen right now, right suddenly, 
and you don't have your weapon on you, you are 100% accountable for that weapon. Mm -hmm. And if it ever disappears or you leave it in your yeah. barracks or you put it in a locker or you set it down somewhere, you are 100% responsible for that weapon. And if you have to secure an area real quick and you have to run back and get your gun, come back, he goes, that's a big yeah. problem you know yeah. so and i go i get it i get yeah, it yeah yeah i don't no, know how many times i got hit in the shins or the crotch with the oh right someone was moving their gun out right. of the way and it went oh I'm, I'm glad they're they're prepared <laughs> yeah yeah but uh did you guys ever go overseas and do that we did we went to uh we did a uso tour to uh to korea and then we did a uso tour where we went to uh, uh germany and played three of the bases there and then also did a thing at longstuhl hospital which is where all the, the the soldiers who had been injured at the front came right. came yeah. there. You always have to do that. Which was man, a, an incredibly intense and moving day. It, it really was, was really, yeah. really something to get to talk to people and hear their yeah. their stories throughout all of that. I'll never forget. Randy Owen told us one time. He said, he said uh, we were at a award show or something, and uh, Alabama was part of it. We were just kind of walking to our cars after the CMA awards or something. And Randy Owen was just out there in the parking lot with us. And he said, listen, he goes, you don't have any idea what it means to those guys over there. When you go into the hospital and those, yeah. those soldiers that are, they're injured or whatever sitting in there, he goes, it means the world to them. He goes, you don't realize what it means to those people until you go and do it. And yeah. he said, if you get a chance, just go visit those people. And it was incredibly, you know, incredibly moving Yeah, because they all had different stories about you know the, the the other folks that they served with and yeah. where they came from and family stories it was really it was incredible. and none of them were ever angry that no, i ever saw they were all no, just and, you know and like so yeah. many even the ones that were severely injured were mm -hmm. like i got to get back to my my platoon because there's yeah. a there's a hole in this thing until i yeah, get until right. i get yeah. back that's all they think about incredibly yeah, incredible brave yeah. So backing up to your early days, um, you started in church singing and playing piano. Did you I always did. play piano? I did. I always played. Um, and I, uh, as a little kid, I was like, I don't know why we're having to, I'm having to take these lessons. And then in eighth grade, I started playing piano in my church. And it was like something just clicked like, oh, yeah, this is what you do with all this stuff I've been doing every oh, Tuesday okay. afternoon. Yeah. And uh, just loved it. It was kind of and, an epiphany for you? Yeah. Sort of a, just and a moment I played... That, like, uh, I uh, I played in the church right there in my little home church until I moved to to Nashville, and uh, as a kid, I used to think it was the coolest thing if you could write songs. I would look at albums yeah. that I bought because I spent every penny I got at the music store buying records. Right. Yeah. And I would always look to see who wrote the stuff. And it, when it was, you know, as a piano player, whether it was like Elton John or Billy Joel or Carol King, whose stuff completely changed my life thinking how cool is this that you get to write the things that you then get to sing or even if you wrote something and somebody else sang it it's like this has got to be such a cool thing to yeah. do and um yeah i just would obsessively read credits yeah. <laughs> on album covers i always tell young people that um writing and creating even if it's like a movie script or a song or a poem or a uh, it doesn't matter you know anything writing is you can't do better than that than, yeah. than coming up with intellectual property that you yourself yeah. came up with and wrote. It's your words. It's yeah. your creation. Yeah. Even if it's not any good, if people say it's not any good, it's still your thing, and you just well, keep doing it exactly. until it is good. You know? And it doesn't even matter if anybody else ever sees it. Right. It's like the experience of doing it, to me, is 100% worthwhile. Yes, right. Because even um, 
even if you think on any given day, well, I don't really know if I came up with anything I liked, you might sit down the next day and whatever you did on the previous day leads you to what you're really right. happy You're sort of with. working it up in your exactly. brain a little bit. I think you sometimes got to yeah. clear that, you know, the clutter out to get to the, to the good stuff. Right. And sometimes you just got to show up for that blank page and face it down. Yeah. Um, As George Lucas calls it, bleeding on the page. That's it. <laughs> that's it. I, I think of it. Sometimes you just got to fling words onto the page and then start getting rid of the ones that don't work. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So did you always write? Did you always, when you started playing I, piano or did I it come did. later? You know, obviously it was terrible in the beginning, but, um, yeah, because I, I always thought, oh, I really do want to try to, I do want to try This to would ride. have been probably in the late 70s then, probably? Yeah, because you... yeah. I moved to Nashville in 1980, and, um, you know, with, like so many people, you know, with no real idea what, how the odds The urban monu- cowboy craze had just Monumentally <laughs> stacked against you, but uh, Nashville's a great town because people can be really kind and welcoming and... Mm-hmm. I always think, man, if you were going to have to struggle anywhere, that's the town to do it. Because and you moved from so Florida, kind of, is that from right? Florida, Florida? Yeah. yeah. What part of Florida? Uh, right outside of Orlando, a little bitty town. Uh, John Anderson is from there. John grew up right. right around the corner from me. His sisters were my babysitters growing up. Really? Is that right? So, yeah. Wow. Neighbors and of John Anderson. Neighbor, neighbor of John's. So, wow. Who I still think is one of the best country singers ever. Wow. So did he really have a swing in his backyard and all that? He did indeed. <laughs> he did indeed, as a matter of fact. A swing? Yeah. Then. Wow, there's yeah. truth to that there song. There is truth wow. to that particular song. Very cool. Yeah. And so you, the, what it was kind of stuff you were writing in those days, like in your early, early days? I think it was all aiming towards the kind of stuff that we do in Sawyer Brown. That's what, you know, I think probably as a piano player, I tend to sit down and want to start with a ballad. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then over the years have taught myself just enough guitar to be able to write with it. I'm yeah. horrible. I would never call myself a guitar player in front of a guitar player. Okay, right. I but, gotcha. uh, <laughs> I do know enough to be able to write with. That's can't cool. it can't when I look at the guitar fretboard I still don't see notes. I have to kinda of hunt and peck to find yeah, what right. I wanna find. But um, I do love it because I will approach something differently sitting at that instrument than sitting at a piano one thing i've always known about piano players that seems like they would make great writers and they do is that all unlike any other instrument at all all the notes are laid out right in front of you it's right every single note whereas other instruments you got to kind of they're hidden in there somewhere right? exactly and you've got you can have a baseline going on as well so that you can sort of voice things differently and those voicings I really do think can affect the it's way like you write. It's like a whole orchestra when exactly, you think about it in exactly. your mind. It really you got a is a lot of choices. Percussive stuff. Yeah. You can do bass stuff. You can do high. You can do melody in the yeah. middle where the voice would be. You know? Yeah. So it's it's a uh, it's still my, uh, my my favorite thing to yeah. do. I probably for home. I don't think many days go by that I don't sit and play something. Really? Often just hymns, just because it's something that's yeah. very very comforting to me still. Yeah. So uh, now when. You moved to, so you made the decision to move from Orlando area yep. to Nashville in 1980. Yep. Did you know Mark Miller then? And yeah, the band Mark, and and I, Mark and I had grown up together. We've known each oh, other. So since, he's from, okay. Yeah, okay. he's from there too. We've known each other since we were about 13 years old. Really? So we came to town at the same time and uh, then met all the other guys when we got jobs working for Don King, a singer who had a deal on right. CBS at the time. And so we were Don's backup band, and Mark worked for Don's publishing company. And we hadn't worked with Don a whole long time before. He lost the record deal, and then he laid us all off. And we just knew we played great together. We yeah. just had a great time playing. So we thought, well, let's just keep doing this. And 
you know, see what happens. Mm -hmm. And truthfully, from the moment we started playing, we've not stopped till now, so which was great. Mark was in that band that you were in. What did he, he play? Did he well, play? Well, he, he wasn't or? in the band, but he oh. wrote for Don's publishing oh, company. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So, and as he would tell you, drove the equipment truck drove when equipment. we went on the road. <laughs> so, right? uh, That's but cool. uh, yeah, so it was just we had great chemistry amongst the amongst the five of us, and fortunately, just managed to keep coming up with up with work because you know how it is yeah. you play a club and that club owner tells somebody else oh you may like these guys yeah. and we just kept getting referral bookings yeah uh hap, gosh it seemed like more than half of our life was in texas really because there's so many places to play right yeah we'd be there a month at a time yeah i remember seeing you guys a lot when i was in canyon in the late 80s we would run into you guys on yeah. the road all the time you remember yeah. canyon right? oh all heck the, yeah, yeah heck long yeah. hair everybody yeah. was like the biggest hair country band yeah <laughs> yeah we uh and it was cool because you I, I always love it when you see people that you've known and seen their their you know sort of their incarnations and their dreams come to life by getting yeah. to continue to play it's pretty cool yeah we always loved seeing you guys out on the road you guys were like a breath of fresh air oh every time thanks man you're like hey we're playing with the sawyer Brown it's Boys. it's uh it was fun then and still fun now which is is the best part yeah and i think we had the same producer for a while too ron chancy yeah we worked uh, with ron so we had on two two records the let me see what would yeah. have been fourth and fifth records yeah. and yeah. before that it was mac mcinelli right well for us our first three were with randy scruggs who oh, was just okay. the best he yeah. was we learned so much from randy and uh then a couple with with ron chancy and then we went back to randy and then started working with mac yeah right who's just there you mac know mac mcinelli he's man, such a great guy he's just just there's he's a mississippian he true true <laughs> artist and right. poet and one of the most humble people on the planet yeah. and one of the most gifted writers, singers, yeah. players ever. Great ever, ever. acoustic guitar player. He yeah. played acoustic guitar on our first Canyon record. Oh, cool. First couple of Canyon records, I believe. Cool. And he was the session leader. Yeah. I think because, you yeah. know, like in a session, one musician has yeah. to be yeah. union rules or something yeah. has to be the leader. Yeah. And, and he Mac was our, yeah. will come up with parts that are just like... They feel just right, and yeah. it's like nobody else would have played exactly what yeah. Mac played. He hears it in his head, probably. He does. He's, uh, he's just a baseline underneath something that's great different. Great words yeah. for him. He's just yeah. the best at, at all of yeah. it, and a joy to work with. Yeah. And Mac, like us, enjoys eating, so we we were never too far away from our next meal when we would work <laughs> with Mac. That. So that was also good. Well, you've always been real skinny, so I don't know where <laughs> you ever eat. I mean, if you ever do eat, I do. I do. <laughs> believe me. Yeah, I'll never forget just seeing you up there. You had the long ponytail or whatever it was. No, back it wasn't in the a day. ponytail, but I did uh, have a mullet. Yeah, the long it mullet. Yeah, the, the longest mullet I think I ever oh, saw. Oh yeah, we we were mulleted up there for a while. <laughs> wow. Um, so uh, see, so I wanted to ask you, um, uh, what is the key in your mind to a band like you guys staying together, like the longevity, the and I know you mentioned earlier you guys are good friends yeah. and you laugh a lot. I mean, what's... I think that's a huge part of it. It's taking the work seriously, but not taking yourself seriously to where we know we want, we, you know, albums to be great, songs to be great, shows to be great, but you don't want to get caught up in too much of whatever of the extraneous hoopla is that goes yeah. on around being in this business. And I also think it's kind of cool when you're in a band there are other people around you who will keep you in check if you yeah. were to start course, getting yeah. too full of yourself. And that's a good thing. That is true. But yeah. with us, I think we all have really good senses of humor. And we 
genuinely laugh a lot. It's just I don't I don't want to I don't want to get an ulcer at the end of all of this. So I would yeah, rather find what's funny even about a day that's a yeah. complete wreck of a mess. You just think, okay, there's yeah. got to be something you can, you know, I find think enjoyable. So many musicians look at the grass on the other side, you know, kind you of can, deal. You can start. They don't realize how good they have it in this band. That's great. They just keep looking. Absolutely, they can start looking for something shiny when mm-hmm. people wave something shiny, and I often liken it to when folks start. You know, you hear bands where people start kind of, uh, you know, worrying about their size of the piece of the pie. And I'm always like, we need to make sure there's pie first. And then we can start worrying about the size of the pie. Because a big piece of nothing is still nothing. That's right. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Don't don't let something good implode. Yeah. And and often with a band, you you sort of have this brand of, of what this is. And it's often bigger than any individual in it. It's like... It's the way all those pieces work together. Um, and you see it, you know, we've all seen it where somebody will leave a band and it, that success doesn't follow them. Yeah, it's, right. you know, the, the, whatever happened with that chemistry with them being in that band was where the magic was. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. It's hard to, to just, uh, and there's something about the cohesive whole of a band oh, ab- that you just can't, when you start taking parts away from it you know yeah. it's just not the it's, same it's thing not, right it's not and people who think that's just you know everything is a replaceable widget like that it's like no it, it actually doesn't always work that way yeah right yeah, sometimes there's just some kind of spark that happens when these four five six people get together and play right. yeah. and you don't want to start tinkering with that right do you guys um any any lines on a new record any anything yeah coming we're up? gonna work on a couple of records actually for our 40th anniversary coming up we're gonna do a all new album, new material album. Wow, nice. And then probably do an album of uh, duets where we record, re-record some of our old stuff with, with some- With other artists. With other artists. Wow. So yeah, so that's the game plan now. That'd be cool. So that'll be for 2024. Are you writing for, I know you've written some songs uh, before we are. with the band. We are, yeah, you, we're already writing for this next- uh, Who all writes, you uh, and Mark and- I write, Mark writes, and we'll probably get together with Mac, speaking of okay, Mac McAnally, of course. Yeah. And then- uh, yeah, go to some folks who've, you know, helped us over the years and, uh, yeah. you know, see what they've got. Cause you know where you're going to record it at in Muscle Shoals again? Sure. Or did you, I don't know. still do that? Or? We used to go, and that was just such a blast. We recorded at Mac's house, which is just right. a dream. And um, and then also had recorded at Muscle Shoals Sound. Um, but we may do this one in Nashville. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I want to come by and be, uh, be a fly on the wall in that one. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, it'll be fun. But um, so yeah, good new. We've got a new record coming out actually uh, called Ten to One, where it's our. We went in and re-recorded all our number one songs that we've had. We've just ha- happened to have ten. Yeah. And that's one day somebody said, "Well, that's enough for a record." And we're like, "Oh, duh, yeah, that's Do that absolutely, record. absolutely." So we for went sure. and re-recorded them right before COVID. I mean, yeah. like literally February of 2020. Oh wow. We finished tracking, and then we were getting ready to do some, you know, overdubs and things like that. And they were like, mm, "Everybody's yeah, staying not home." Now. Yeah, yeah. It was like pretty scary. Yeah. So we had to put that on hold, but we're it's done now, and you know, we're. Well, yeah, I think the world's there. ready for the release of new music now. They, yeah, they are. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, see, what else do I want to ask you? Um, do you have any advice for a specifically a keyboard player, not just for a musician, but a, specifically a keyboard player that's young, that's sort of starting out, and like they want to know how to kind of get into the position you're in in a band uh, successful what would you think the best advice is for them might be the same advice i'd even give a guitar player which is just 
play as much as you can and find, you know, kind of like find your tribe. If you want you to mean be what, in a you, band. like rehearsing, practicing or playing with a band yeah, or exactly. Just anything play. and everything, anything and everything that yeah. you can do to play, play. And then you sort of, you hone your craft. You might find, Oh, I like this particular style more than I do something else. And you also then find those people that you work the best with. And particularly if you're trying to be a band, yeah. find those folks that have a shared vision that can ride out what and that are nice takes. guys exactly. that are easy guys to get Boy, along with. You, you don't want to be that guy on the you're bus. You're going to want that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can tell you. Yeah, you're going to want people that you can actually get along yeah. with. I've seen bands before where they have like a couple of nice guys and they'll get some killer drummer or killer guitar player or something like that from so like he's man but he's kind of a jerk you know yeah. and he's that guy on the bus that and, nobody likes right you know? and it makes those trips long because as you does, know yeah. one person can change the temperature of a bus sure can That's so you don't it. want uh you don't want that <laughs> you don't want to be that <laughs> guy think. and you don't want that and guy you don't want the, yeah. either one That's so right. even if they're a lesser player when i when i be my lesser player is maybe not the flashy yeah. uh steve Vai type but right. but somebody that plays their part they concentrate they focus and they fit right in that they yeah. serve the song right yeah and you and again it's that thing of what happens when everybody gets together and play if there is that sense of oh there's just something that works here yeah and there's a spark here that's that's a big deal yeah kind of that's a magic a that happens exactly yeah. don't 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 waste that i think every successful band has that and for people like record companies and you know a uh, and r people they're looking for that yeah. and so how do you find that there's so many bands out there you know how do you find that magic i know and it's it's sometimes i think record companies will think you can manufacture that but you really can't because right. i'm a great believer that the audience sees through something yeah. that's been manufactured right if something is real and they can sense that when they watch a band or an, an act on stage yeah i, I know because i love going to live music you can tell when somebody wants to be up there yeah right and that's the deal if i go to a show and somebody misses a note i could care less about that it's like if i felt like oh you were you were ready to be here that's that's what i want yeah that's what i'm looking for you can definitely tell it up oh a yeah mile you, can, away. you can see when something's being phoned in so any um any plans to, to i hate to bring up that that r word retire <laughs> any anything None. like that going on not, not even you're this not, not even, even in your scope not even inkling yeah. no we i think we always thought, you know, if it really felt like you're just beating a dead horse, then, you know, have the yeah. sense to walk away. But it doesn't feel like that Even at all. Even with your guys' grueling schedule, it's still Man, it not going to It still is amazing. fun. It yeah. really is. And we work about 90 days a year, maybe 100 days. And that's so mild by comparison to those 315 right. that it feels yeah. like, oh, we can we can do this. Yeah. So, uh and tr I'm trying to imagine, I'm trying to picture that kind of schedule with you guys setting up your own gear and stuff. Like, it, you know, everybody has to do it. it that's, that's what point. it was. It was, I honestly do look back and go, man, that I'm... How did we do that? Who who were those kids? Because <laughs> yeah, it <I'm talking laughs> makes about me tired thinking about it. Driving yeah. all night somewhere, yeah. taking turns driving, whatever, because you didn't mm -hmm. have a driver. We did getting not. up the next morning, get load in to some, well, morning, I say morning, yeah. like noon, yeah, wherever the club would be open. You get in there, set everything up, do some kind of sound check, run back to the hotel, take a shower, come back, do five or more yeah. sets yeah. consecutive in a, like at a club, and then immediately start it's tearing it down again, again and load it again. All up. over again. So uh, <laughs> it definitely, I think for us, I certainly think of it, it's like it made us, made me know how much I wanted something. Right. Was this True. worth what those days were like to try to get to this place of having a record deal yeah and it i think it was fuel for the fire because we also i think learned so much in those days that 
Sometimes now I think there are newer acts that have bypassed all of that, and I think you bypass a lot of knowledge. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And figuring out, do I want this? What is this like? And even a point of reference so that if you do get those dreams come true, mm-hmm. you have something to compare it to, like, oh, I remember what that was like yeah. when it was a 5 Because now light. it's like easy come, easy go oh, a little more than it used to be. Yeah, you know? they can. you can show up with one or two songs and have all the bells and whistles yeah. out there. And it... You may not have to earn it really. Yeah, you that might much, not you know? know how much to appreciate it because you don't have that point of comparison. Yeah, right. Wow. Man. Where if you if you came up the way we all did, you have that point of comparison yeah. for sure. Do you uh, do you teach very much? I know Joe uh, was talking on the podcast uh, last January about he teaches kind of college or high school right. or something. He does, and I've I've taught at Belmont University, and I went back there to get a, a master's degree in English several years ago just for fun. Wow, because uh, that's, that's the kind with of, your grueling schedule. That's I the kind of geek I am. That. And um, so I started tutoring writing, not songwriting, just regular writing there. And then also I've taught writing classes there, which is great because it's all about how do you help someone figure out what they want to say? It's while I'm not teaching songwriting, it's that same approach of, well, think about what you, what is that thing you want to get across and let's find out how do you, how do you shape that the best? And in a room of 22 students, you've got 22 very different people, very different approaches. So as somebody who loves writing, I loved that because it made me continually have to think about, oh, well, how how do you approach this differently when everybody in this room writes differently? Is it true that as a writer, no matter what you're writing, you have to have discipline of like, you have to say, okay, I'm going to write at this time to this time in this one place where it's quiet and I turn my phone well, off and that kind of thing. I think it probably helps. I'm not the best at discipline when it comes to writing, but I do think it helps to make yourself show up on a yeah. regular basis right. as opposed to thinking, oh, well, I'll wait for the muse to just drop this wonderful thing in my yeah, lap. Yeah, wait it's for like, the inspiration. No, You'll be you, waiting you forever, right? Sometimes you got to go. Yeah. You got to show up. Yeah. Um, once they, I, I, there was an interview with Michael Jackson where they said, well, why do you get up in the middle of the night to write instead of just waiting? And he goes, because I'm afraid God will take that idea to Prince. So I'm like, <laughs> there is some of that. Wow. You know, you don't want God to take that idea to Prince. So wow, you show up, quote. you just show up and you, you, even on days where it doesn't seem to go well, you just show up for that. You show up for the writing. Yeah. And so Prince is sitting there going, that's why that's I never why. got any ideas yeah. for the longest time. I knew they had landed somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Um, so, man, um, are you guys still doing like videos and TV and all that stuff? You we know, don't do busy? videos much anymore. We do still occasionally do some TV stuff. Love playing the Opry. That's that's a total oh, joy yeah. anytime we get that's to do that. That's such an experience, man. I love it. I love it. Wait we around all day time. and then your thing is over in like I know. three seconds. It does go by <laughs> awfully quickly. Yeah. But especially the nights we've gotten to do it at the Ryman Auditorium. That's just, that's that's gold man that's the that's the magic room so we, yeah, we have right. a great time in there do you have kids i don't you unless don't you kids. count the folks on the bus okay those are yeah. your kids I those get that. are the yeah. ones i can't seem to kids. get raised right. yeah <laughs> yeah why would you want to grow up if you can just hang out on a tour bus i know right your whole life there is something to be said for having a job where you can laugh and be a knucklehead all right. day that is true. i i'm i'm and a believer get paid in well that. to do i that. know <laughs> i know i will i will keep this gig as long as i can Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for oh, man, talking Keith, to me. It's, it's been, been a joy. Thanks, man. Appreciate man, you I always learn so time. much when I do these podcasts and talk to people I've never really sat down and talked with before. Yeah, this is great. Thanks. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, good luck to you guys out on the road, and maybe same, we'll do another same Canadian deal. Tour. Uh, here's to more of these shows. Let's together. do one in Australia. This I know. Time, you know, exactly. where it's warmer. We'll see if you can get that figured out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, see you guys next time on Designated Drummer, Hobie Hubbard and Keith Rainwater. See ya. See ya.